We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I don't want to make a huge deal out of this yet because let's keep in mind, this is a completely new regime on the offensive side of the ball. They could be doing things a different way, and there could be a lot of people who aren't used to the new way things are going to be done, and maybe they might be better. I'm allowing for that because it's extremely early in terms of what they've done. But so far, I mean, I have countless people who have either been with the Patriots or are hearing from players on the team who they are alarmed to this point, and they've barely done anything so far, Trenny. And so they, they are really worried about the direction of the offense, where this is going especially off of what a lot of people heard. A lot of people around the NFL listened to what Joe Judge said the other day, and almost all of them were like, what? What is he talking about? And so there is a high level of concern about what's going on with the Patriots. That is NBC Sports Boston. Welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday. Nate Geary, Zach Jones, hanging out with you this morning into the afternoon as we head into the afternoon hour now at 12.07. Joining us on the West Her Hotline is the Patriots beat reporter over at New England Sports Network, NESN. He's also the co-host of NESN's Patriots podcast. It's Zach Cox joining us on the West Her Hotline. Zach, thanks so much for joining us on your Saturday afternoon, my friend. Um. I, I'm sure that's uh, that that sound clip from NBC Sports Boston has been making the rounds throughout the Patriots fan base. Um, I can tell you, it has certainly made the rounds in the Bills Mafia fan base. In fact, <laughs> if you're like you know, if you're if you're in one of those group text messages with friends, I've got a lot of Bills fans that are friends in group text messages. I had like two or three people send me that clip, sort of in a level of like kind of a point and laugh situation. What, in your estimation, Jack? Because I get, I hear this a lot, which is if it was any other coach, blank, right? And Bill Belichick has built up enough goodwill to basically do whatever he wants. But I guess I didn't figure he would go this route at this point. I just, there is a lot of questions about what Bill Belichick is doing. But now that you're hearing people in New England teams, guys that cover the team talking about it, it is starting to become a more interesting storyline to me, Zach. Yeah, I would say this is the, in my opinion, the single most interesting and important storyline surrounding this entire Patriots team this season, just because you look at where they are as a franchise. They have a quarterback in Mac Jones who looks like a potential franchise quarterback, looks like a potential star if he kind of continues that trajectory that he showed last season. And now he's going to be coached by a coaching staff that does not feature a single person who has coached quarterbacks at the NFL level or a single person who has called offensive plays at the NFL level, that is, that's risky to me. That's risky, that's dicey, that's scary, whatever word you want to use uh, for that from a, from a Patriots fan perspective. It's it just going into a quarterback's second year, this is such a key period in his development, and, and to trust that to a group of coaches who, yes, are very experienced. Joe Judge has been around the NFL a long time. Matt Patricia has been along, around the NFL a long time, but – it's just guys that aren't very experienced in the jobs that they're actually going to be doing. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a very large risk 
uh, in my opinion. Zach, and I guess the thing for me when you talk about this coaching staff and the assembly of this coaching staff, when McDaniels was ultimately in the process of when there was conversations being had of, okay, it's looking more and more like he's going to get the head coaching job in Las Vegas. I, I got the sense that like, okay, Bill O'Brien, sure. I mean, that, that makes sense, right? Like go, go get a, go get a Belichick retread, you know, go get a guy who's maybe now at the college level, but has some experience running NFL offenses at the NFL level. But to go this route I wonder because here's the thing, Zach. Players are smart, right? Like especially nowadays, the the crop of younger players. I'm wondering. I mean, they'll never say it, Zach. I mean, you will never hear Mac Jones go up and not say anything other than we're really excited. You know uh, what 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 Joe was able to do in a short amount of time. I know it didn't work out at the end. Like you'll just get the coach speak, the PR speak from every player. But I'm wondering in the back of their heads what they think of this situation. Again, we're never going to know, but if you were to guess, hearing some of the things from the, the NBC Sports in, in, in Boston there, hearing like he's kind of hearing even players are even sort of wondering, what, what's going on here? Like, do you get the sense that like, that could be a storyline within that locker room? I think it could be, yeah. I think it's too early to kind of make any, any sweeping judgments or, or panic or anything like that, and Obviously, as you mentioned earlier, with Bill Belichick, you, you do have to give him the benefit of the doubt. There does have to be some sort of some level of in Bill we trust um, type type thing with, with anything like this. But, yeah, I mean, if they start off poorly offensively, if Mac Jones just kind of takes a step back in the first couple of weeks, there there's going to be a lot of questions asked about the way Bill Belichick assembled this coaching staff. And it it, it is a little surprising to me. I, I thought Bill O'Brien would have made a lot of sense. Uh, I know people have said, oh, well, he, he'd probably be a guy who's only here for one year because he would want to go get a head coaching job elsewhere. Yeah, fine. I, I would, if, if I'm the Patriots, I would take that for one year and, and then kind of readdress it next offseason. Uh, and the fact that this clearly wasn't a, a plan that was formulated a while ago because Joe Judge was a head coach and wasn't available as of about six months ago. So, yeah, it just seems like something that it appears thrown together to me. It probably wasn't. Uh, obviously, Bill Belichick plans these things out uh, better than pretty much anybody in the NFL. But, yeah, it's certainly a situation where if the Patriots don't look completely cohesive offensively early in the year, uh, it can definitely become a, a very large storyline for sure. And I'm wondering, Zach, like I, I keep kind of thinking about the steps – that are kind of needed for this offense to take this year because of the Dolphins, because of the Jets, and frankly, because of the Bills, I thought, took a step this offseason, going and getting a Von Miller, going and getting uh, Jamison Crowder, who I think could be better than Cole Beasley has been because he's younger and I think a little bit does a little bit more with the football in his hands than Beasley did. They, I think they got better on the offensive line. So, like, obviously the Jets... They're in route to take some sort of level of step. And the Dolphins, they get Tyreek Hill. And whether or not two is good enough to make that work, I guess where I'm going with this is it seems and feels like from the outside looking in that this is probably the most pressure a Bill Belichick coach team has felt in New England and and maybe ever since he's been there. And I wonder if the Dolphins, you know, this is a little bit of prognosticating, but if the Dolphins were to overtake and have a better record than and beat in both instances this year the Patriots, I'm not asking you whether or, whether or not, you know, the, the, the Patriots are going to fire Bill Belichick at the end of the season if things don't go well. 
But I think I'm asking you, if things don't go well, could the Bill, could the Patriots move on from Bill Belichick this year? I don't know. That That's going to be uh, something that it would obviously be a, a very large franchise-shaking decision, and, and uh, I'm never going to to predict that right now. But it, I certainly agree with you that this is a, a very pressure-packed situation for Bill Belichick and this Patriots team. And even beyond the AFC East, all those teams that you mentioned, you look around the AFC, there are six, seven, eight AFC teams that – at least on paper, appeared to get better this offseason. And you look at the Patriots, and you could make the argument that their roster might actually be a little bit worse now than it was at the end of 2021. Now, that could change if Mac Jones takes a step and if John U. Smith and Nelson Aguilar and some of those free agents from last year perform a little bit better. I'm, I'm not saying the Patriots will undoubtedly be worse this year than they were last year, but overall on paper, it's hard for me to – say with any confidence that the that the Patriots are going to improve on on what they did last year and that's yeah that, that's a, a a very different situation for this franchise it's a, it's a team that now has not won a playoff game since the 2018 Super Bowl it's gone three straight years without a playoff win and if if that makes it four if you make that four this year if, if they even regress a little bit and miss the playoffs in a very competitive AFC then, yeah, there are going to be a lot of questions asked, uh, for sure. And ironically, Zach, this is a team that going into week 16, was it? <laughs> Excuse me. Week 16? Was it first place in the AFC East? Yeah, um, I think it was week 14 week, or something like that. But, yeah, it was late in the It's year. late. Yeah, coming out of that bye week. Yeah, it's late in the season that they're, number, that, they're, that they're in the top of this division. And to sort of see how things progressed, that second matchup against the Bills and obviously that wild card matchup, I just I'm wondering as an offense. Listen, I like Devontae Parker, but the team that traded Devontae Parker to the Patriots was so unconcerned about what Devontae Parker would do that they traded him within division, which is not something that you really see a lot of in the NFL. I, I'm wondering, you know, with Devontae Parker, you mentioned Aguilar and you mentioned John o. Smith. I mean, those are two players that they desperately need to take a step, particularly John o. Smith, Zach, who just in terms of contracts, is I'm what, pacing one of the worst free agent pickups of the last decade? I mean, that's how poorly it's gone. I'm wondering what kind of role you envision Joe Judge and, and, and Matt Patricia carving out for Johnny Smith because if there is not an emphasis on not just getting him going, Zach, but featuring him, I mean, you don't pay $12.5 million to a tight end and then go two years without figuring out ways to get creative with them. I, I'm just wondering what that looks like, Jonu Smith, in this offense. Now, we don't know because this is an offensive coordinator and an offensive group of play callers. We've never seen call play, so it can be hard to maybe know what they've got in store. But, man, they better have something. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. I, I think Jonu Smith was easily the, the most disappointing member of, of that free agent class for the Patriots last year. You just... You look at the production he was able to to bring. He had nine catches on ten targets over the first two games, and then I think he had like twelve catches or thirteen catches over the remainder of the season. Uh, also graded out as one of the worst run blocking tight ends in the NFL. Just a a really poor season for him, uh, especially uh, coming from the the years he was able to have down in Tennessee. Uh, it was interesting to me earlier this off season. Robert Kraft, the Patriots owner, did say that they are quote making changes to kind of try to unlock some of the uh, the potential from 
from some of their more disappointing offensive free agents. Uh, very clearly, he was talking about Johnny Smith and Nelson Aguilar there. So unclear what that's going to look like right now. Uh, I do think you're going to see a bit of a different Patriots offense this year, uh, if only because they now no longer have a fullback. Uh, Jakob Johnson, their fullback for the last couple of years, he's now out in Las Vegas with Josh McDaniels, uh, and they don't have a single player at that position on the roster right now. So maybe you'll see uh, some more two tight end sets, which a lot of us expected to see last year that ended up not really coming to fruition. So maybe that's how they kind of feature Johnny Smith a little bit more, try to get some matchups for him to, uh, to, to sort of exploit what he does well. Uh, because, I mean, for one silver lining of his last season, I think he ranked third in the NFL in yards after catch per reception uh so he was productive when he had the ball in his hands he just didn't have the ball in his hands all that often so yeah going to be very interesting to see how what exactly that looks like how the patriots are able to try to get johnny smith back to uh the kind of player he was with the titans zach cox here of the new england sports network he covers the new england patriots on the west her hotline and you know i think it's fair to say that at this point and in understanding that myself, my co-host for Bills Buffalo Bills pregame, Jeremy White, we were both kind of on team go-get Jonu Smith last offseason when he ended up signing with the Patriots. I don't think a lot of people envisioned the Patriots going out and spending $12.5 million on two tight ends, much less after the Hunter Henry signing, it was almost assumed, okay, well, that, may, that means good things for the Bills. I think the Bills are going to have an opportunity at Jonu Smith at the right number. The right number in our mind was like $7 million. And him getting 12 and a half was like, whoa, uh, yeah, the Bills were not going to be in that neighborhood whatsoever in any conversation around Jonu Smith. But our thought the entire time about what he could be, I mean, I guess you really only had to feel like you were watching him play in Tennessee, that he's just not a natural in-line tight end, a hand in the ground, in-line. You mentioned him being one of the worst blocking tight ends uh, in terms of run blocking in the league last year. He, I feel like in order to sort of unlock the Janu Smith thing here, Zach, it feels like there needs to be a level of creativity. And I just think that paying $12.5 million for a guy that you have to manufacture non-conventional ways for him to be successful feels like you are sort of admitting that that was a mistake. And I don't think anyone would argue that it wasn't a mistake. But I just, having to get him the ball in non-conventional ways just seems like an admission of that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's certainly a, a valid point for sure. And also the fact that he, he does seem to be a player that you need to, to scheme up touches for. You need to find creative ways to get the ball in his hands. And now this year you're going to be having an offensive play caller who does not have any experience calling offensive plays at the NFL level. So I think you have a little bit more confidence in that if it's Josh McDaniels in here because he is right. one of the more creative offensive play callers. Uh, but, but, yeah, having – whether that's Joe Judge, whether that's Nick Cayley, whether that's Matt Patricia, who, whoever ends up calling plays this season, it's going to be somebody who is inexperienced and is probably a bit of a tougher ask to, to have him kind of scheme up some, some creative ways to, to really unlock Johnny Smith. So, yeah, that's just another kind of wrinkle of this whole Patriots coaching staff and, and why it is really puzzling to, uh, to a lot of people around here. Listen, I love Pierre Strong, um, but two running backs in this draft uh, after taking Ramondre Stevenson last year, who I think you could argue like a lot of people felt, especially if you're a fantasy owner, like, yeah, give him the ball more. He's a really solid breakaway threat. And then you have Damian Harris, who is a guy that they drafted, who you probably want to see him touch the ball more. 
how do they use all of these running backs, Zach? Like, and how can you? And they have James White, who they just resigned, coming back. You can't dress five, can you? <laughs> yeah, it was, I was not surprised that the Patriots drafted a running back, um, especially with uh, where James White is in his career and his injury situation. He's coming off hip surgery. Uh, there was a, a report earlier this month that he hasn't been fully medically cleared and probably won't uh, be on the field for OTAs when they begin next week. Uh, he is back on the field doing some, at least some conditioning work, so that's a good sign for him. But he's 30 years old, coming off hip surgery. That's, uh, there's no guarantee that he's even going to be on the Patriots roster this season. Uh, and even if he is, he's definitely nearing the end of his career. So uh, I think picking up somebody like Pierre Strong, who some people view as that James White-type replacement, uh, I think that was a smart move. Drafting two running backs, I, I was definitely a little surprised by. Uh, Kevin Harris, who they got in the sixth round, is is kind of a flyer type. I mean, as a as a, a sixth-round pick, he's not going to be guaranteed to make the roster. Uh, also didn't have a particularly productive final season uh, at South Carolina. He was coming off back surgery. Uh, he had a couple really ta- uh, really productive games, showed some talent, but he, he's not a guy who's going to be locked into the roster. But it, it will be very interesting to see how this whole position battle there shakes out because if Pierre Strong – and Kevin Harris both really impressed this offseason or this, uh, this preseason in training camp, rather. I don't think it's out of the question that the Patriots could trade Damian Harris because mm. uh, he is entering the final year of his contract. It has become pretty clear now that paying running backs big second right. contracts right. really isn't great business in the NFL. Uh, so if the Patriots are looking at Harris, who is one of their better players, had a great year last year, uh, wouldn't be for any uh, any talent or production reasons, but if they're saying, well, this is a guy we're probably not going to pay next year, we have Ramondre Stevenson, we've got these young guys, maybe we flip him now and, uh, and see what happens there, see what we can get for him. So uh, I don't think that's a guarantee by any means, and I would probably expect Damian Harris to be on this team, but if some of these, these younger backs really do flash this summer, uh, I don't think that is uh, out of the question by any means. Class, the classic former quarterback in me realizes I we've just gone like 20 minutes and I haven't asked you one question about the defense. So maybe I'll send you off on a defensive question here, um, Zach. I, I, I do wonder, like, this is a team that Bill Belichick, and, and I always talk about this, and it was the same conversation that I've been having about Jordan Poyer here in Buffalo, right? Jordan Poyer is talking about wanting to, er, that he is going to sit out OTAs uh, if it means he gets extended. Now, he's got one year remaining on his contract, so, you know, maybe this isn't the right time, and it's in a Super Bowl window. The Bills have just paid a bunch of people. The thing I've always kind of admired, low-key, about Bill Belichick is he seems to always walk away one year before the fall off the cliff happens. I'm thinking of Laura Malloy in this, Ty Law. I mean, player after player after player. It just happened with Stephon Gilmore. The J.C. Jackson one, though, thing is, is I'm a little interested in that decision, Zach, because he goes out and gets paid by the Los Angeles Chargers. That's not a guy at 31 who's a year or maybe a year and a half away from taking that cliff fall, and it doesn't really feel like they've done a ton to replace him. What does that defensive backfield at the cornerback position look like this year, considering this is a division with Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, now Garrett Wilson, and and Elijah Moore? Yeah, it's going to be very different from the way that the Patriots have constructed things back there in the past. You go back to really 2012, there's always been at least one Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl caliber lockdown cornerback in there. You go from Aqib Tlaib to Darrell Rivas to Malcolm Butler to Stephon Gilmore to J.C. Jackson. And then you look at this year, they don't really have anybody like that on their roster right now. Uh, they've, they've added a couple players since they 
let Jackson walk. They brought back Malcolm Butler, who is now, I believe, 32 and, and was retired last season. So we don't know what his game is going to look like. They brought in Terrence Mitchell, kind of a journeyman guy, uh, started for, for Houston last year. And then they drafted Marcus Jones and Jack Jones in uh, the, the third and fourth round. So they brought in some bodies there, but it's definitely a, a much different setup at the cornerback position than it has been in the past just because they don't have that clear number one guy. We don't even know who their quote-unquote number one cornerback is going to be this year. It could be Butler. It could be Jalen Mills. It could be Terrence Mitchell. It could be one of these rookies. It's just a very different uh, philosophy back there than they've had for a while. Um, and the J.C. Jackson thing did surprise me a little bit. Uh, I didn't expect the Patriots to pay him the, the amount of money that the Chargers ended up paying him. But because there clearly was a lot of interest there, I'm a little surprised that they didn't give him the franchise tag sure. uh, and then try to trade him and get an asset for him. That, that was a little bit puzzling uh, to me. But there are a, uh, a, lot, of, a lot of questions for this, this defense. I mean, in the secondary, uh, at linebacker, the linebacking core is going to look completely different this season. Um, and, yeah, it's going to be a very different-looking Patriots defense, which – Probably is for the best, just given the way that everything ended uh, late last year. They were one of the better defenses in the NFL for a lot of the season, but you just saw them wear down late in the year. I think they've tried to get younger, they've tried to get faster, and, and they're hoping that they can now keep up with the, uh, the Josh Allens of the world uh, in the AFC East. Zach, thanks so much, man, for joining me on this Saturday afternoon. Tell the folks where they can find your work, what you got coming up, and, uh, and all that good jazz. Uh, absolutely, yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at Zach Cox Nesson. Uh, you can follow or you can find all all of our Patriots coverage over at Nesson dot com. Uh, we've got Patriots OTAs starting up on Monday, so we'll have uh, plenty of stuff coming out of that. Um, so yeah, Nesson dot com if you want to check any of that out. Awesome. Thanks so much, Zach. Appreciate you. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Uh, Zach Cox there of Nesson. There it's N E S N. That's the New England Sports Network on the Western Hotline. Going to take a timeout. Ty Dunn. He was on the afternoon show yesterday. He's on with me today because we're talking Sabin Jimbo. It's coming up next here on WG. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's despicable that somebody can say things about somebody and an organization. More importantly, 17-year-old kids. You're taking shots at 17-year-old kids and their families. They broke state laws. They're, they're, they're all money. We bought every player on this group. We never bought anybody. No rules were broken. Nothing was done wrong. It's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those <laughs> things to happen. It's ridiculous. But when, when he's not on top, it's amazing. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. Jimbo, coming in hot. That's what the kids would say, coming in hot. Nick Erie here, Sports Talk Saturday. That's Jimbo Fisher, former Florida State head coach, now the current head coach for Texas A&M. He was, uh, another thing the kids would say was, Clapping back on Nick Saban, the Alabama head coach, uh, if you've ever heard of him. Uh, the czar of football called him a narcissist, the god uh, of football. And some might call my next guest on the Western Hotline 
the god of long-form written pieces. And I would be fine calling him that. I'm not sure that he's comfortable calling himself that. But it's my job as the host of this show to introduce the god of long-form piece written uh, written pieces of the founder of Go Long joining me now, Ty Dunn. So, Ty, listening to Jimbo, I'm not sure we've probably appreciated how whiny and just the biggest babies in all of college sports being probably the three most popular head coaches, Jimbo, Dabo, and Nick Saban, all of which are just crying incessantly about this name and the NIL laws and everything that's been passed and, and college players getting paid. But man, I don't remember ever seeing a college coach dig in as hard as Jimbo Fisher has dug in against Nick Saban. It's, it's unprecedented. Well, first of all, th- thanks for having me. Of course, brother. Intro. You, you definitely don't need to call me that, but I, I appreciate the, the sentiment. Uh, I thought that you guys played like his voice on 3-4-X. Like, that sounded fast. Yeah. Like, is, is that really That's, as fast as Jimbo Fisher was talking there? He needed to get edited? through a lot. He needed to, he needed to work through some things, Ty. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, it's, it's embarrassing. Yeah. It, it's a joke. I mean... I, you just you sound uncomfortable in your own skin. You sound weak, and I just wish you know Saban, like you just said, no, there's there's no good guys or bad guys here. That's right. Everybody just looks small and weak, and just own it. Just own it. It's it's. We all saw blue chips in the nineties, right. right? We we all we all know Ricky Rowe got his dad the tractor, and you know Butch McCray got his mom the nice house with the yard, and hey. You know what, uh, Neon Badeau, he didn't even want anything, and he got a car. That's right. But, boy, talk about a film ahead of its time. But now it's legal. Now you can throw the money all over the place. We all know what the deal is. I don't know. At some point, it'd just be great if all of the head honchos sitting at the table that rule college football just sat there and owned it. And just don't, you know, and, and you, you know what the funniest part of this is, Nate? The SEC came out, what, the next day and put a muzzle on everybody. Because <laughs> that's Nobody always the good move. <laughs> right, yeah, because, oh, well, we're all going to forget about it, and this is going away. Where, I mean, lean into it. Just lean into it and have fun. Let them say whatever they want. I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you on the embarrassing part of this because – Part of this is, yes, it's the Jimbo Fisher response, but it, it's the original quote from Nick Saban. And the irony, the ironic part of this tie is he's sitting next to basketball coach Nate Oates, who we know very well here in Western New York, you know, former UB coach, takes on the, the head coaching job at Alabama. And where this quote is coming from, Ty, is at a press conference of local businesses and sponsors, and they're literally (laughs) saying, you guys got to start to pony up here. We can't compete. Like, what? And Nick Saban has the the gall to call out other coaches by name and programs by name as he's at a press conference asking his local community to start paying his athletes. It's unbelievable. it's like he was asking for it. Like he was, he he's you know he's the smartest um, you know narrator basically of a, of the sport at the college level. Like every word he says, he knows the weight it carries. Yeah. So to just kind of float that into the atmosphere, he pro- maybe he was just setting the trap, right? Like just setting it for Jimbo and just wanted him to go crazy. And somehow this is going to help him. In rec- I don't know. I really don't know how it helps or hurts anybody, but. Uh, yeah, you're right. It is. It's the forum in which he uh, went off like that is is nuts. You know what's crazy? It's like I so at uh, at Go Long we had um, uh, Talon 
Humphrey, mm-hmm. a D tackle from the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. He wasn't wasn't drafted. I think he was uh, at rookie camp with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Anyways, like when when we're talking, he had a hot minute uh, at another school, and I can't remember Florida International. And he was telling us like, yeah, you know, when we were uh, we we, <laughs> we had the tutors just kind of do all of our work for us, like just admitted like you know, somebody else just did all of my homework and took all of our tests and. I'm sitting there thinking, if this is Taylor Humphrey right. at Florida Internet, what right. the hell is going on at Alabama right now? So, if, yeah, in that sense, Jimbo's right. If you, all right, Nick, if you want to open up that, that closet door, let's uh, sift through your skeletons. Good luck with that. And, like, listen, there is a level of – and there's a level of truth to what Jimbo's saying. But at the same time, you know – I think from Jimbo's perspective, it's not like – here's the thing, too. We took, and this is what we collectively as a society in the social media era, take a seven-minute interview and take out a 40-second clip without any context behind it. If you go back and listen to the entire thing, it is not as scathing as the 40-second clip we heard actually makes it sound to be. Like, he comes back, and here's the thing. He shouldn't have mentioned Texas A&M, and he certainly shouldn't have mentioned Deion Sanders. Because he's at an HBCU. He is doing the Lord's work right now. To throw him under the bus, I thought was really unfair from Nick Saban's perspective. As as Will Smith famously said, keep my man's name out your mouth, Nick Saban. Keep Deion Sanders' name out your mouth, okay? But he may have a little point about Jimbo. The thing with Jimbo, Ty, is you come off sounding... So defensive. This Nick Saban wasn't on his. He was on a soapbox, no doubt about it. But he wasn't up there, inflammatory and calling these people names and doing this and that. Like you come off Jimbo Fisher as a guy that felt like he needed to to set a press conference to defend yourself, and that comes off a little like if you don't have anything to defend, why'd you go up there and defend yourself, kind of thing. Right, and that's where maybe. Nick Saban is coming from, and he's like playing chess when we all think this is a game of checkers. Like maybe he knew that Jimbo Fisher is, you know, he's got about he's got a short fuse, and he's going to have that press conference, and he's going to lose, and then all hell's going to break loose, and he's not going to look good out of it because I get, you know, usually I'd agree with you on okay, somebody talks for 30, 40 minutes. I hate it, you know, yeah. when five or six seconds of that conversation is thrown into a headline, and that's all anybody's talking about. Like I. Honestly, that's a big reason I created my site. Right, right. Like I, right. Everything's moving towards memes and gifs and nonsense, and you know I'm all about the long form. But yep. at the same time, Nick Saban knows what he said, and he 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 thought about that. He didn't just willy nilly kind of trip into saying that Texas A&M is buying yep. their players. Like right. no, that that is that's coming from a place of uh, strategy, one would say, on Nick Saban's part. So, you know, it, it is it is not. It, we're all talking about SEC football you know, in the middle of May. So that's in right. that sense, that's where I thought it was weird the SEC would just try to shut this down. You know, hey, sometimes any press is good press. Yeah. The NBA playoffs are going on, the NHL playoffs, the NFL is king. Why not let your coaches, you know, get in the ring and duke this Battle out? it out. <laughs> just absolutely. Yeah, I'd, pay, I'd pay to watch that. Absolutely. I mean, after that, yeah, I feel like we may need to see round two. I just and, – and listen, Ty, like – I, part of one of the things that I guess bothers me about this whole conversation is I feel like the conversation around college athletes being paid in its current standing 
lacks so much nuance, so many layers to this conversation that you can't simply do the partisan part of this, which is you're either for it or you're against it. I think that is totally wrong and the wrong way to look at what's happening in college sports right now. I think it's incredibly possible to believe, because I think this is where I stand, that college athletes should be paid for the product that other people are being paid for, right? They are playing a sport, and the money that's being generated from their play is going towards the university for college football coaches' salaries, for libraries, for new facilities and weight rooms. Like, there's a a part of me that agrees. If you are the reason the revenue is being brought in, you deserve a cut of of that pie. But what it is right now I'm going to say this. I don't believe it's sustainable. I think you can be in this camp, which is to say p- these players deserve something, but I don't think this is working for college athletics. And frankly, I don't think it's working for – I mean, just the NCAA. I, they suck so much that it's so hard to sit here and try to sound like I want to defend them a little bit. But, man, I just – this isn't working. Typical, this is not going to work, Ty. Theory, typical corporate naked. Right, uh, of course. What yeah. what a corporate shill I am, right? Like, yeah. But like, this isn't going to work, Ty. It is the wild west, right? I I don't know. I'm, I'm I think we're on the same page. And like these these kids, I mean, they're 18, 19 years old. They have a skill. You know, yep. they're yep. they're performing for millions upon millions of people. They're the ones responsible, like you said, the libraries and the insane salaries given to professors and all, all of this, all of this. And they're the ones out there that are the reason people go to school. I mean, think about everybody's dream school. Like I remember being a kid watching John Wallace and Otis Hill go to the final four. I was like, man, I want to go to Syracuse one day. Right. And, and that, that was like in the back of my brain somewhere as a third and fourth grader. And it stayed there forever. So it, it, in a free market and I'm as pro capitalism yep. as a kid, they should be able to get every dime they're worth off of their Skill. So, all right, how do you kind of fit that within the NCAA? Good luck, because the NCAA is a cluster you-know-what, yep. and they're, they're, they're going to trip over themselves at every turn. You know, there's a, a great story. Everybody out there should read it. I think it came out in, like, 2012, 2013 by Taylor Branch. It was in the Atlantic um, called The Shame of College Athletics. And the NCAA was, like, founded on such a sham. They, yeah. they convinced everybody that they had this authority – power when they never really did and i think that it's kind of tearing down so in a sense i kind of like the utter chaos Mm. you know i kind of like the fact that we're all seeing the ncaa for what it is and all of these power brokers are going at it and nobody really knows how to handle it because for decades upon decades they've had this this god free labor yeah i mean absolutely that's that is what it is so you know what everybody gets they reap what they sow and good luck Right. Good, good luck figuring this out, NCAA. Tyler Dunn, go long here on the Western Hotline. I got him for a couple more minutes. And and Tyler, what I wanna I I, I wanna I wanna get one Patriots question in, but but I'm not quite done railing on this whole situation because as much as both of us agree, Sabin, you're kind of a jerk. Jimbo, you're off you're off your rocker. And Dabo, maybe you should just shut the bleep up because I'm sick of hearing Dabo talk about it. To be quite honest with you, he just sounds like such a big baby with it, but. Nick Saban, as much as I hate sort of the conversation being had, 
he does have a bit of a point. It's just that I don't feel bad for him because of the dominance he's had in the sport for so long. If this continues on the tracks that it's going, which there is no end in sight for me, Alabama's not going to be the powerhouse they've been. They are not Los Angeles. USC, you know, the big Miami, like these big schools with corporate sponsors that will shell out hundreds of millions of dollars. Those are going to be the ones that are going to utilize this new era of, of, of football, of college sports and college athletics. And those are going to be the new Alabamas, but because they have the corporate sponsors to afford it. And I guess I agree with that point a little bit, Tyler. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, and that that's where it gets tricky because then it becomes not as pure as it's been. That's right. Right. It, 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 if it was ever pure, the fake you know, innocence, it, the fake innocence of college sports. Yeah, I guess I'm not ready to take that leap yet. Like, let's see it. I, I think that these schools in the SEC have just built up. You know, such a reputation that this is where you go if you're a five-star yep. running back and you've got this skill. Like you go to Georgia, you go to Alabama, you go to Florida. Like I, I don't know. I it, like let's let's see if a, a really good football coach can go out to USC and and shell out all kinds of money for that. At the end of the day, I feel like it still takes really good coaching. It still takes players themselves being on the field and working at their skill to then get to the point where. Okay, now now you can get that big marketing deal. Now now you can get that big sponsorship. So, I don't know. I get it. Like I, I I get the concern. There's just no easy answer for it. At the end of the day, I I guess these these guys should get paid. They absolutely should be paid. I mean, you're out there. You're suffering concussions. Yep. You're doing damage to your brain. You're going to be a different person later in life. You're tearing your ACL. You're tearing your Achilles. And oh, you you get a scholarship. Great, but these these guys. I mean. They're, they're probably not going to put that major to use. Like, they've been playing football their whole lives. Like, they've got this ability. So, um, I, yeah, I think we've, we've, we didn't solve it here on the show. I don't know if anybody will, uh, but it will be entertaining to watch at the very least. So, my favorite Charlie Weiss quote of all time is, well, guys can't take bubblegum 101 here at Notre Dame. That's why we're not getting the big recruits. <laughs> so, you, so, what you're saying is bubblegum 101 is not a, is, is not a transferable degree in today's world? Oh my! You know what's funny is I I can still remember sitting in a, a history 101 big lecture hall Syracuse and God I think I think Johnny Flynn Eric Devendor probably <laughs> a bunch of the basketball players were in there and they were there the first day and then they got up never and again. left and we we didn't see them the rest of the semester ever again now did did they quit the, they could have maybe they quit the class for all we know. Or maybe they got to be, you know. I'm sure Jim Beheim had something to do with it. Oh, I would right. bet. I would bet that. I he would bet that. University, like these big figureheads, they they run the show. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the answer is for it all. But hey, you know what? We'll all watch. We will watch. Undoubtedly. Speaking of watching and like what liking to watch, like tires on fire and the big smoke plumes. Um, I've got to get your because just because I feel like I haven't heard it or seen it yet. Your take on the Patriots and what this is going to look like with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia apparently calling plays. Like, this isn't a joke. Um, Bill O'Brien's not jumping out of one of those, like, human-sized cakes where it's like, just kidding, I'm here. And even if he were to jump out and try to save the day, you've got Bill O'Brien saving the day. What a sad state of affairs for the Patriots. Like, I've got to say that this is, if nothing else, we're talking about entertainment value of the NCAA we're going to watch. I'm going to watch, but 
Tyler, I, I can't say that I've ever seen a coach talk about narcissism just thinking like, I'm good, I'll have Joe Judge call plays. I don't understand it whatsoever. We all could not take our eyes off of that 20-car pileup that yep. was the New York Giants those last four weeks. It was it was tragic, and, and he was front and center. I mean, it was he was delusional, talking about two years prior when everybody in New England thought they might get fired while well, they won the Super Bowl that year, and, you know, nobody's got the <laughs> right. golf clubs out at the locker. And, you know, that's not a thing. <laughs> that didn't Judge. happen, Joe Judge. No, like, it just doesn't <sighs> – it doesn't happen, and uh, you, you can talk about culture all you want, and you know, spin as many cliches together that you want. At the end of the day, like you need some intellect when it comes to the sport, and he did not display much of any. Was that a third and eight, third and nine when they ran third and nine? The, the, the pick pile quarterback sneak, from their seven yard uh, line. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, a pop Warner special to give yourself a little bit more. It's it's ridiculous, but. You know, if you read Seth Wickersham's book, it's, it's unbelievable. Yep. Everybody should read it. You should. It is different. It's just different there, right, with these coaches in New England. It's such it's its own ecosystem, and the it's just a different world, for better or worse. And Joe Judge was there for a very long time, so Bill Belichick trusts him. And I think that Bill Belichick is really going to be the one behind this offense. I agree with that. I don't know. How, you, know you know, it's I get it. Joe Judge is, is there. Matt Patricia's kicking around. This just strikes me as Bill Belichick just kind of muddying it up. So his hands are all over this offense for one way or another. And I'm not that nervous from the Buffalo Bills. No, no, no. Josh McDaniels was the, you know, he was the brain the behind architect, Mac yep. Jones. Right, yeah. I mean, they did. I know everybody loves to mock Mac Jones around here, but man, from where he was in September mm-hmm. to where he was in November, December, I mean, that, that Cleveland game. He's actually firing it downfield and making some throws. So you lose the coach that was behind that development. Man, I'd be I'd be really worried about that if I was New England. Where Mac Jones goes from here, you know. Let's forget the fact that you know the Bills just kind of beat the hell out of you twice. Uh, We'll see where it goes. I'm the last person that's going to count Bill Belichick out. Right. In terms of putting together a defensive game plan, you know he can he can still do that. But I think offensively. What did they do to keep up in a shootout with Josh Allen and the Bills? They got, I, I don't think Devontae Parker gets you there. No, no, they got um, Peppers, right? They got um, the safety. Yeah. Jabril Peppers, Jabril. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know Miami's going to be interesting. Though. Yes, they are. I, I Absolutely my, they are. Even if, and I know you're not the biggest uh, Tua fan. I am but, not. You know, How'd you know that? <laughs> I, you know, a tweet here or there. You know, <laughs> here or there. Here or there. I saw to his trainer went after you. Nick Hicks went for Nate. Oh, is that right? I didn't even see that. Yeah, I know. I know him well. He was Devin Singletary's agent down at Perform. Oh God, I'm not. Work, the... work out at the same. Is that, was that recently? I'm gonna have to look at that. I didn't even know that happened. A couple days ago, he wants blood. He wants blood. I'm into um, that. Even if Tua is Tua, they've got the best possible play designer for. I mean, they've got four legit starting running backs. They beat up the offensive line. Tyree Kill is somebody everybody in West New York is very familiar with by now. But Cedric Wilson's a a solid number three. Uh, Jalen Waddle, you move him all over. Offensively, they they should be able to to design some pretty fun plays. And and I think that they've got a coach that is the antithesis of Joe Judge. I mean, this is somebody who does think about sequences and how to set things up. And he'll – 
he'll get the absolute best out of Tua. Uh, defensively, we'll see. You know if they can if they can stop or slow down Josh Allen. He's had their number, but I, I just think offensively, they're a team that could potentially keep up with the Bills. Tyler, I appreciate you, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, your uh, your nice long weekend, hopefully in Chautauqua. Thanks so much for joining me on the road, and uh, we'll talk again soon, my friend. Hey, you got it, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate that. Of course. Anytime, Tyler. Tyler down there on the Western Hotline of Go Long. You can check out his work, golong.com. All right, I take a timeout, and I got another break in. I do this a lot. My bad. It is what it is. Greg Thompson, cover one, joining us at one. I've got Brian Koziel at around 140. We've got all that coming up next here on WGR. All right, uh, I can take another time out. We've got uh, Greg Thompson of Cover One joining us here at 105. I've just now, thanks to Tyler Dunn, gone down a rabbit hole of Tua's trainer who has been tweeting at me pretty incessantly. Seems like he might be a little biased and obsessed, but who's to say? Who's to say? All right, time out. Cover One, Greg Thompson. We're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming season. We're going to talk about something that he brought up in his podcast yesterday, the Bills and playing teams coming off their bye week. Pretty interesting stuff. We'll talk to Greg. That's coming up next year on WGR. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission.